0: we want you to be able to be a part of that. Also in the bulletin itself you'll see that we have included uh the beginning of our prayer focus here at the church. Uh sometime back talked about the beginning of prayer cells in our community that people opening up their home for one hour prayer on a given night or a given morning or whatever and we want to encourage you because God's doing something incredible mighty in our church It's building something, you know, that this place is going to be a place of the miraculous, it really is. And, and, and I believe that the, the, uh, what we're doing with our prayer focus is such a major part of that. And you can see on here, um, uh, all the days, I think we've got 14 or 15 prayer cells that are going to be going on on a monthly basis. All right. And, uh, You'll see the person's last name. That's where it's going to be at, their home, and the time. Also, uh, uh, every Thursday morning here at the church, we have prayer. Pastor Rifle leads it. And uh, it, the time is changing from 6.30 to 4.30. No, oh, I'm just kidding. From, um, from 6.30 to 7 o'clock, okay? And, uh, and then we also have, we have we, we're doing prayer conference calls, Okay. For some people, maybe it's hard for you to get out or whatever. Uh, we're, we're setting up certain times, and on the back here, you can see the prayer cell locations where they're at. All right, uh, there are emails that you can get a hold of them. And then also the prayer conference call. You see the number that you dial in and the access code that you need to dial in, and uh, and where we have the prayer conference calls. Uh, uh scheduled you 'll see it in the in the calendar here you all you have to do is pick up your phone call in and you 'll be on a- k- prayer conference call with others praying and believing and and uh praying for our church and praying for people and other things Hallelujah Pastor Danny pastor backstreet boy Gonzalez? okay <laughs> <laughs> you know it 's so good he can pull this off. <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to him on my eight track coming in this morning. <laughs> See, M- Manny can pull this off. I-, I could never pull this. I know you can. <laughs> All right, real quick here, Manny is getting ready to go out with uh, Ryan Bastress to Mexico this week. For two weeks and then bringing the gospel, bringing freedom into people's lives, healings and miracles, and we want to pray for him this morning. Manny, anything you want to say real quick? Okay. Uh, okay, so guys, come up here, some of you. okay, Let's pray for him, and then I'm going to let Rifle take it here. Hallelujah. <laughs> come on, Brad. Glory to God. Yeah, Anybody else want to get your hands on this boy? You know, Manny has been traveling out a lot with our, uh, our new focus in our church, the Harvest Global Network, going into Puerto Rico, Panama, Guatemala, Mexico now. And God's just doing amazing things and working with people and churches that are a part of our network. So, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, David, how come? I want you to pray, buddy, okay? Thank you, Father.
1: You are so good. God, we thank you for the Nitro Brothers coming out from America to Mexico, God. Let there be Holy Ghost infusion in that land. Father, I thank you for such a partnership, God. Who could imagine these two together, Father? I just thank you for the animation of your of your spirit, Lord, to be uh, totally uh, just... To to wreck homes, Lord, to wreck lives, to wreck mindsets, to wreck the status quo, that natural mindset, Father. I just thank you that your word, your truth, your revelation is going to go forth and it's going to bust up all of those things that were the way we were, Father, so that they can come into a new mindset, Father, a new life. And I thank you for the anointing of healing. Father, I thank you for the anointing of deliverance. Lord, I thank you for the anointing of the revelation of prosperity, Father, that as their soul begins to prosper in your kingdom, Father, their lives in the natural will begin to prosper, Lord, and they will be able to see the provision that they need, Father, not just for today's meal, not just for this month's rent, Father, but for the future expansion of all these churches that are going to spring up in the area around where their home base is, Lord. And I thank you for the anointing of your word, Father, to bring forth a revelation that, hey, I can teach this too. I can lay my hands on the sick and they can recover. And Father, and I just thank you that, that there is no limit to what can be accomplished there. And I thank you for these two obedient sons of yours, Father, who have stewarded your word, who have stewarded your presence in your kingdom, Father, and who are committed, Lord, to bringing it all over the world. And so I just thank you as this partnership grows, Lord, that more will join their company, Father. And it will be a, a, an amazing partnership of truth, revelation, peace, joy, and just breakthrough for each and every person that they meet.
0: Jesus. Amen.
1: I saw the same peanut gallery, <laughs> the one that was. The one that was watching when, when Cindy was giving her te- Cindy's testimony was coming forth when I was praying for her in the hospital. Um, it, it's this, uh, this bank of the enemy just standing back and, and observing, and, but not being able to participate. Just an open heaven, And, and, and they're on the left, and we are on the right. And we we are participating, (laughs) and we're cheering cheering them on.
0: Thank you, guys. All right. Pastor Rifle, you ready, my friend? If you're a guest today, uh, that's really his name, Pastor Rifle, okay? He can share with you how he got that name when he was shot 12 times, and they started calling him Rifle. Okay, no, he wasn't shot 12 times.
2: Good
0: morning, everyone. Guys, uh, I totally forgot this real quick here. (laughs) Sorry, buddy. Uh, We need people, assistance in a couple areas here in our church, Uh, especially upstairs in our media area with projection and things like that. We need people to help out. Ushers also, Jan, we'll get you up here next, next week. Uh, about usher and hospitality. So we couldn't do what we're doing without you helping. All right? So we're going to pass these. And if you would like to volunteer, usually volunteer once a month for something, okay? And uh, just put your name down. Okay, buddy. Sorry.
2: Sometimes we have pastors' meetings and very interesting sometimes, very, very boring sometimes. But this past... This past pastors' meeting on Friday, we had Ryan Bastress actually sent a text message to Manny. He's in Walmart, and he's asking Manny, "Is there anything special I should take to Mexico on this mission trip? You know, I, I don't know what to buy. Should tell me, is there anything?" So the guy in Mexico, who they're going to, send Manny a picture, and they have got iguanas. I promise you. That long on, on, on sticks like you would have a kebab. Iguana on a kebab. Just a whole stack on a trailer full. And he says, this is our food, this is our lunch, this is what we're going to eat. So I could just imagine my brother, Ryan Bastra, standing in Walmart. And Manny sending him these pictures of the iguanas that they're going to eat. And him running to the snack bar or the rice rice... <laughs> you know, Krispies or the post toasties to take with to Mexico. Because I don't know how good it is at eating iguana for breakfast, but we'll soon find out. So, that was a, that was a good pastor's meeting. Um, I heard last week was very good. Last week, Easter, I saw a lot of pictures. Church is looking beautiful, man. It's just amazing, the gardens and And what it looks like outside. So everyone who did anything towards that, thank you so much. It looks amazing. And a lot of families took pictures of that. The weather was so nice, like today again. But last week, uh, I had the privilege of preaching at a South African festival. They had an Easter festival at King's Dominion. So it was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So, Tiffany, Nathan, and I, we went and we went camping and we were there for the weekend, and then they asked me to do the service on Sunday. So that's where I was, so it's good to be back. But after the service was finished, one man walked up to me, and you've you got to say it in Afrikaans because it doesn't mean the same in English, but he looked at me and, and he said, Vir die and he the hooligan on of us. And basically it, it translated, he said, "You know, the past three days, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, I, I was walking around amongst all these South African people at this festival, and the biggest hooligan amongst everyone here was definitely you." And he said, "But you were actually the preacher." You brought the word. And that just brought so much joy in my heart. I'm not... it, It brought me so much joy. I stood there and I took a breath and I was, thank you, Jesus. This is amazing. I am so grateful for what this man is telling me now. And we'll get into that later. But it was just such an amazing moment where this guy actually had the guts to come up to me and to my face, tell me that, how wonderful that was, we'll talk about that later, but today Pastor Doug said I must just do a little bit of an introduction of what this coming Saturday is going to be when we do the program on the mind, so um, we really, my dad and myself are looking forward to it. Um, My dad, next Saturday, on the day of the conference, will be celebrating his 77th birthday. Is it 77, Mom? Pulling your face? Yeah, 77. She's like, can he be that old? Yes, he's 77. So when when we got the dates and we looked around at everything, I went to him. I said, you know, would you want to do this? He said, yeah, of course but it's on your birthday he said what a better birthday present than being able to teach people on my birthday at 77 let's do it so this is a little bit of an introduction for for saturday and what's coming so um this morning before church while we were praying over here kevin prayed and i said i'm going to tell him i must just get this right we were praying and he said we are not called to an observation but to a walk is that right Where's kevin? is that is that more or less okay call to a journey to a walk and basically what i got out of that is we, we need to get busy we need to start doing something it's not standing on the sidelines looking at others doing waiting for others to do it's you that needs to get in the race and start walking be a part of the journey not an onlooker okay so that is what i got out of that and i said to him i'm going to use that this morning when i preach i'll give you Credit for it, the first two times I use it after that, it's mine. So there's number one. So the Bible to many is a book of theory. The Bible to many is a book of theory. I think our school system aids this problem. Because in school, so much is Theory. And we get used to theory and learning about theory and hearing about theory works. But there's very little practicality to what we learn at school. So it helps in us just becoming a people based on theory instead of walking out the journey. And the Bible is not a book of theory. It's a walk. It's a reality. It's a way of life. So we always use the example of you can go to university and study business From a lecturer, doctor, or a professor who's never owned his own business. You can go, I I read this week on social media, uh, one huge seminary, not going to say the name, the head of the seminary does not believe in heaven. So you can go to get a certificate, a diploma, whatever, to stand in front of people to preach the word of God and get it from a place where people don't actually believe what you're preaching on is really true. Theory. The book says this and this and this, but is it really true? So you can go get you know, educated on economics, and someone has never really been economical. They get a paycheck at the end of every month, and that's how they live their lives. So if you have money in the stock market, it, it, it's very different from teaching economics than having your actual money in the stock market in economics they don't teach you what it feels like when your stock goes down when something happens so if you had money on december 24th last year when the dow fell with a record drop it's a completely different feeling when you see your stock tanking or lose 50 percent in one day than teaching a class and saying this is what you should do this is how you should handle it I can tell you that the economic professor got no phone calls that night asking, do I I keep it? Do I sell the stock? What do I do now? How much do I... Because it it doesn't exist in their world because it's just theory. Does the kingdom exist in your world? Or is it just theory? Do you get phone calls? Do you get friends coming to you saying, hey, I'm in a mess. What do I do now? Because I see... The practical reality of this way of walking in your life so please help me because to you it's not just words on a page it's not just theory it's life therefore I can call on you because I know that you know and understand and can help me what to do right now so my question is is this just a book of theory to us or is it the way we walk the way we live And we are a person of the second. So, the Bible, because of so many different churches, so many different denominations, even under Christians, we believe so many different things. You go to that house, they believe this. You go to that house, they don't believe it. So, what's true? What is real? If that church doesn't do this, but they believe in Jesus, this church does do it. They also believe in Jesus, who's right? And if the Bible was written so many years ago, does it really impact our life as truth today in 2019? Is this really true? And the Bible becomes more of a discussion point, a point of argument, a point of talking about instead of doing, practically living it out. So we want to look at at that today so for me personally myself after becoming reborn on the third of march 1992 in pretoria south africa this revelation of god personally to me one night in my bed saying to me your mind is not renewed you need to start renewing your mind after i have taught classes on renewing the mind for since ever i have been reborn was the greatest awakening to me other than being reborn. And my whole life has changed within the last four years more than it has the 24 years that I've been saved in 1992 because of the mind. And it's just helped me so much. And on the outside, you can't see much difference other than the fact that I probably lost 30 pounds last year. But on the inside, it's a completely different person. You can't see it, but I know it. I know things are different. I know before I had to see things by faith and walk it out by faith and believe it by faith, and I got it by faith. But now I still got to do all that, but it's just so different the walk of faith that I have now because it's just so real and it's so true and it's so on the inside of me that even though I can't touch it with my five physical senses, I know it's a reality. It's a done deal. You may not see it, but I know it. And there are a couple of people around me that I can talk and discuss with them the things that I already know. And because they're believing for huge and big things in the same way, because they're using their mind the way the Word says, they've also got huge things that you can't see in the natural now, but it's a done deal because of the renewing of the mind. So next week we're going to be talking about that the renewing of the mind and how the mind works and what it does. But Psalm 147, verse 4 to 6. If you believe in God, which we all do, hopefully, in this room. These are some amazing verses. He counts the number of the stars. Number one. If you truly believe that, is that not amazing? Have you, on a beautiful night gone somewhere and people do it every time if they go camping or they go somewhere where there isn't city lights and they look up and they say how amazing the stars and that's just a little part that you see there's still a whole world that you have not and he counts every single one of them that's your god how big is he how big is your problem compared to the one who counts all the stars and do you focus on the problem or do you focus on the one who counts the stars Because the enemy through the school and wrong teaching and wrong education and so many times he gets us to focus on the problem instead of the one who counts the stars. Oh my goodness. He doesn't only count the stars. He calls them by name. So you think he's amazing because he counts the stars? Okay, sit down. That one's name is this. That one's name is that. I named that one that. I named that. Every single star is a name, and he knows them. How big is your God now? Or do you still look at the problem rather than the one who not only counts the stars, but names a star? But even bigger than that, he created every star. How big is your God now? What are you trusting in? What are you focusing on? Because whatever you focus on, wherever you look, whatever you behold, you become. What are you beholding? What are you looking at? Where's your energy going towards? Your God or the problem? Because whatever you look at, you magnify. So this God calls them by name. That's like the verse in the Bible in the New New Testament where Jesus said, people get the shrunk because they say, he knows how many hairs are on your head. People look at me and they laugh about that verse. (laughs) But it doesn't say that. He said... He has the number of the hairs in your head much bigger yeah. so you can wake up in the morning you can pick up that hair off the pillow which has happened to me a, a gazillion times before and he will say that is hair number 17 trillion gazillion 3976 3, that came out of your hair he knows the number not he knows how many he knows the number of each single one How big is your God? There's a difference between knowing how much and every single number of the hair. What do we focus on? So he counts the stars. He calls them by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked down to the ground. How big is your God? Next two verses are very um, interesting to me because let's turn to Second Samuel twenty two thirty one. Please, Zach. As for God, His way is perfect. How smart are you? You are pretty smart. Man is amazing, but when we start thinking our way is better than His, then we're not that smart. And how many times do we think that, you know, if I do it this way, even though the Word says this, but maybe this is better, then we get ourselves into trouble. So, as for God, His way is perfect. The Word of the Lord is proven. That's very important. It's proven. People tried it before. They tried to make it not the truth. They tried to make it not. It's proven. People tried to discard it. People try to say it doesn't work. It's proven. The Word of God is truth. It works. It doesn't change. It's the same. It's proven. When you get into a car, and it's the most amazing car, and it goes zero to 60 in so many seconds, and it's got this talk and all of the things that they talk about. And they say, the only thing about this car, we haven't, we haven't tested the brakes. They're not proven yet. It <laughs> doesn't matter how amazing the rest of the car is. If the brakes are not proven, and you know that they work, you're not going to buy it and get in that car with your family. But the word of the Lord it's proven. There's Kai. I didn't know about the testimony healed of Lou Gehrig's disease. Here I'm standing healed of MS. There's Miss Cindy healed of cancer. There's so many. There's testimony after testimony. There are financial testimonies we can talk about. There are marriages that have been healed that were broken. There's because the word of God is proven. It works. doesn't change. The word of the Lord is proven. He's a shield to all those who trust in him. Now let's go to Psalm 18, verse 30. Psalm 18, verse 30. As for God, His way is perfect. Is that the right verse? It's exactly the same. Have you ever found that? Exactly the same. Two completely different places in the Bible. Exactly the same. Word for word. So you read it once, that's important. God slips it in there a second time, exactly the same, pay attention. <laughs> I'm not going to preach on this verse because I preached on the previous one, but it's exactly the same. <laughs> As for God, His way is perfect, the word of the Lord is proven, He is a shield to all those who trust in Him. Have you ever seen that before? Look how amazing. Right, let's go to uh, Proverbs 14, 12. This we all know. There is a way that seems right to a man. But its end is the way of death. Word says do this. No, no, no. This is right in my eyes. I'm going to do this. And it just produces death. Meanwhile, God has the answer, the truth, the way of doing it. But sometimes we choose to do something different or something else. And it ends up in death. So that is Proverbs 14, 12. Okay. Now, please turn to Proverbs sixteen twenty five. Have you ever seen that? God puts it in there once, important. Slips it in there a second time, just a couple of books later, pay attention. There is a way that seems right to man. There's so many different paths and ways now. Have you recognized in the world? Lord says man and woman, husband, wife, family, get married, have children. The world now has I don't know how many different, what do you call it? sexes is that the right word can you say that word in church i mean male female yet god says in the beginning god created them male and female god created them there's a way that seems right but it brings forth death and his word is proven so should you go by what seems right what is popular what is to be said not to hurt anyone's feeling and offend someone It brings forth death because there's only one thing that sets truth uh, that sets free and that is truth doesn't matter how hard the truth hurts truth is truth and truth will set you free you're eating twinkies for breakfast every morning it may be difficult for the doctor to say to you listen now you've got to start eating properly and doing exercise because you're going to kill yourself not nice to hear that but it's the truth so the word here two times that says there's a way that seems right But the end is the way of death so we need to find god's way of doing things we have so many verses that we talk about in the word my my question is if god is so amazing if this word is so good why do we sometimes go against what the word says why do we not just do what the word tells us to do if god is so amazing if he counts the stars, if he knows the numbers of hair, shouldn't his word be exactly just as awesome and powerful and right? But why do we as Christians sometimes read the word? And, nah, maybe not today. No. Why is it that we do that with the word of God? So here... You know, we we walk by faith and not by sight. Have you heard that before? Do we always do that? Now we start talking about the mind, renewing the mind, how to do that. Because the word is clear. We walk by faith and not by sight. Paul writes in one place, we don't look at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen, because the things which are seen are subject to change. So it doesn't mean when you speak to something it goes away immediately but that thing is subject to change because you can see it and what you're doing is calling the unseen so that it will be seen if you keep on looking at what is unseen to bring it into the scene but sometimes we focus on the scene sometimes we focus on that which we can five physical senses realms see but not in the spiritual realm yet the word is completely opposite to that so why do we do that Hebrews 11, now faith is the substance of things, hoped for the evidence of things, not seen. So if you can see it, you don't need faith for it. But your faith, if you can find it in the word and God made that promise to you, all the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. So what is faith? Knowing that that which I can't see is mine. So the world will say, When I see it, I'll believe it. We should say because we believe it, we will see it. But do we live that? Do we walk that? Do we believe now, now, now by his stripes, now I'm healed. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you really believe and you're standing and you don't see it today, you know what? It's in the unseen. It's in the faith realm. Pull it down. You go tomorrow and you repeat, repeat, repeat until it manifests in this natural realm. But do we always do that? Um, We. We. Because it's written down for a reason. This amazing God who knows the numbers of the hairs, who gives the stars their names, He says, don't look at what is seen. Look at the unseen. Call that by faith. Call that into the natural realm. And then when you see it, you don't need faith for it anymore because it's here. Move on to something else. And you go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Uh, be still and know. You see, we can quote that verse. Be still and know that I am God. He did not say, sit down and I will make you still. Didn't say that. This is not a cute suggestion. Nah, be still. It's not. It's a command. When you're going through stuff, sit down, be still and know that I am God how many of us become still and know that he is God when we face these different challenges or is it easier to go and talk to someone else tell somebody else get someone else's opinion write about it on Facebook tell everybody to do this to do that or do we be still and know that he's got over that circumstance is this just a cute verse or is it here for a very important reason do you get my my heart do you see what i'm trying to say here how we, we theory we can quote scripture but are we walking it out in our everyday life because it's when we walk it out that the manifestation of this appears in our lives It's not by reading it and moving past the verse and saying, well, that sounds great, but hey, let me tell you about this. No, be still and know that He is God. Give thanks in all things. Oh my goodness, is that in your Bible? I think it's in all of our Bibles. Make your request known to God with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Oh my goodness. We go to some prayer meetings and it's, dear God, where are you? Why are you not? I'm begging you. My Bible doesn't say that. My Bible doesn't say that and every word is there for a reason. In all things, giving thanks. Thanks. Give thanks, for this is the will of God. People want to know all the time, what is the will of God for my life? It's easy. Should I be a doctor? Should I be a lawyer? I don't know. I can do this. I can do that. Doesn't matter. Go in your closet and give thanks. No, 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 no. What does God want me? Should I be a doctor? Should I be? A... No. Go into your closet and give thanks. That's what He wants you to do right now. You don't understand. I want to. No. Uh-uh. Now, give thanks. Because when you get in the closet and start giving thanks, now he can start speaking so you can hear, oh, I want you to be this, I want you to be that. There's a system that God put in place and the system works. If you go against the system or try and bypass the way he says it should be done, it's not going to work and it's not his fault. If you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you want to do it any other way, it's not going to work. It's as simple as that. And we have verses and things in the Bible that we quote theoretically, but we should be doing and we should be walking at out where are we seated other than right here right now in the word it says we are seated in heavenly places places in christ jesus how much of a reality is that how much time do we spend in in the quiet place seeing ourselves in christ right now in heavenly places in him reborn washed in the blood perfect it's not theory and too many people have changed this to make it a book of theory. And we lose the power behind the words and the book. I'm going to skip over so much here. I'm just, just quickly here. Leviticus 12 verse 1, to 3. How smart is God? Maybe you all know this, but for someone who does there's someone in here who doesn't know this, and this is for you. Leviticus 12, verse 1 to 3. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a woman has conceived and born a male child, she shall be unclean seven days, as in the days of her customary impurity, and she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day, the flesh of the foreskin shall be circumcised. And on the eighth day, Come on, God. You know, really, just this is on the eighth day. Really, eight? Why not seven? Why if we're not a good place on day nine? Why eight? And you see what happens in school, and, and we haggle with numbers, you and I, all the time. So our minds think it's okay to haggle when it comes to the word. Now, we're not in the Old Covenant. You don't have to on the eighth day. But when they were here in the desert walking through the things they were walking through, this was for them right then. Why the eighth day? Because we go and we say, oh, we need to tax the rich with plus 20%. No, no, no. Make it 25. Okay, is it 20 or is it 25? I want to sell you this bike, $5,000. Well, I'll give you four five. Okay, four, seven dollars haggle, numbers, numbers, numbers. But when God says on the eighth day, there's a reason for the eighth day. So here, a medical journal. After the eighth day, the level of clotting material, prothrombin, in the blood, reaches its lifetime average of 100%. However, just before the eighth day, The amount of blood clotting material increases rapidly until on the eighth day itself it is 110% of the normal. In other words, only on the eighth day of life do blood clotting substances reach their all-time high well beyond the amount that will be accompanied for normal human beings throughout the rest of their lives. Did you know that? Now you do. How smart is God? Why did God say day eight? Why is it why day eight? For exactly that reason. Is that not amazing? So there are reasons why he says, go into your closet. Pray there, where no one else sees you, there are reasons he says, Be still and know that I am God. There are reasons he says, In all things, give thanks. There's a reason behind everything he says. Do we think, Ah, not that important? I'll do it on day six or day nine. Does it really matter? Give or take a day? Yeah, it does. It does. So, is this theory, or do we walk it out? I'm going to skip all of this. I'm going to, to the last point here, which I think is very, very important for us as Christians today. We read this. This is, to me personally, one of the most important chapters in the whole Bible. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Loaded with truth. Absolutely amazing chapter. We get so many things that we use in church and talk about in church and believe in church from Second Corinthians chapter 5. But there's a little part in here that is so amazing. But I see us, including myself, not obeying this most of the time. And we'll read from verse 14 to 17 in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So for time we're going to end with this. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus. That if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, what do we do when we see therefore? Find out what it is therefore. Okay, so now it says therefore. So now you can't start there, you've got to go back. Therefore, so he's going to say Something is going to happen. Something needs to be done now because of something that has already taken place So what did we just read the love of Christ compels us because we judge this way that if one died for all then all died Because one died for all and all he's talking to the believers Yeah have died with him. All of you believers have died with him. He died for you. You died with it's done it's over, it's, it doesn't have to happen, it's, not, it's already taken place. Because of that, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him thus no longer. Therefore, because we don't know Christ according to the flesh anymore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become. Have you heard that before? Yeah, this is an amazing chapter. There's so much in here. He who knew no sin became sin for us. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's all in here. But this one little part for us as Christians it's so important here when it comes to the mind, the way we were created, the way our physical bodies through the mind and the brain thinks, is here what he says, therefore if someone is reborn if they are in Christ Christ has died for them, they are in Christ they are a believer, we thus regard no one according to the flesh in other words don't think Of another believer ever again, according to the flesh. Okay, whose flesh, rifle? Whose flesh? What flesh? Obviously, number one, I believe their physical flesh, the person you are looking at. Are they black? Are they white? Are they yellow? Are they red? Are they green? Are they fat? Are they obese? Are they skinny? Are they believing? That's flesh. That's their flesh. If you are reborn, and they are the church, your brother, you don't regard anyone according to that anymore. They are children of God, washed in his blood, the body of Christ, your brother, your sister. So when you see somebody, that's the eyes that you have. That's their flesh. But now let's take it a step further. Don't regard anyone according to the flesh. Whose flesh is that? Now that's my flesh. That's my flesh. Because, Brett, let me tell you, you know, I'm, I'm gonna pray for somebody, but let me tell you what they did. They did this and this. And when they're at home, man, they lie. Man, they don't. It, it's so terrible. And they do that. But 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 pray with me, okay, because I'm gonna. See that's my flesh, my flesh, looking at somebody else's flesh through my fleshly ways. And now the next time Brett sees that brother, do you know what Brett is thinking? And now he, because of my flesh and my wrongdoing has to guard his mind and take every thought captive when he sees that person because of my flesh telling him things thing about that person's flesh. I don't even know why that person lies like that. I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. But through my eyes, through my lens, through my way of thinking, that's who they are. Instead of a new creation, old things have passed away, and he's washed in the blood, and I need to call that and see him like that. And this causes a lot of problems in the body because of not doing what the word says. My favorite example is our brother John, who went to be with the Lord last month, sat over there Sundays when he came. And if you looked at that guy sitting over there and he's, he's battling to stay awake and he just looks completely out of it, you could have thought a couple of things in your mind, not knowing John. And the way that you looked at him and thought someone should act and someone should be sitting here in church would be completely different from the actual truth of what's going on in his life. And people want to come, they want to tell you, or they, you, know, you know, he did this, and let me tell you about that. I don't want to know because the word says, I don't want to know them according. Thank you for that, but keep it for yourself. Because when I see John, I want to know his story. I want to hear from him. I want to know what's the truth behind the matter. I don't want to see John or any other Christian through your lens. So please don't share that with me and me, vice versa. I was in a place teaching to a bunch of women can't call them by their name. They have surnames, and it's miss this and miss, miss, miss. And once I have a class of uh, 30 30 ladies, and I'm there for about six months and teaching them, and there's this one lady in there, the quietest, most gentle, calm, placid, sitting in the corner, little, pretty lady. And after six months, someone comes and they says you know and they, they said the name and i said no i don't because i don't know their names I, I i know them by surname and they said the one that sits in the back her name this and this and i said yeah i know who sits in the back is that her name don't you know the one who stabbed her husband i'm thinking no no i, no, no, I don't even know the surname of the lady because the one who sits in the back there's no way that I'm thinking in the six months that I'm there, she maybe stole a piece of paper from a boss in the office <laughs> because she's so just quiet and timid and gentle. She stabbed her husband to death. And she's been serving many, many years, and she has six months before she's out. And I'm so grateful that I didn't know that before I went into the class. I only found that out right at the end because as hard as I'm trying... I'm now speaking and teaching, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh my goodness, she did that. I don't know whether the husband abused her children. I don't know if she was emotionally abused. I don't know if she was physically abused. I don't know what the husband did to her. I have no idea. So how can I go tell somebody else? You know what she did? She did it because I don't know what happened. But now should the next instructor come into this place and I say, hey, You know what? That lady in the back, when he comes in, now he's. And it's happening all the time. Brethren, Christians, amongst one another. Phone call. Hey, let me tell you about it. I know you're going to see that. Don't do that. Because now somebody else's viewpoint is changed because of the way you see things. And you know what? The way you and I see things is not always the truth. You and I see things through our lens. You and I see things through what we have grown up as. Can I ask you a quick? What is normal? What is normal? I hear of dysfunctional families. I, I personally don't think that there is one family which is not dysfunctional. In some or other way. Including my own. There's my mom. So what's normal in your house might not be normal in your neighbor's house. And if your neighbor is saved, then you have no right to say what is normal and how it should be done. We have no right. According to the word, to thus now, therefore, because Christ died for all, It's a whole new way of living. It's a whole new species of being that we're dealing with. The Word says that old things have passed away. You know what? Old things have passed away. Their minds just haven't caught up with that. And once their minds catch up with old things have passed away, I'm not an old scumbag lying, this and that. I'm a reborn child of God. When their minds are renewed to the fact that they don't have to lie, they're not liars, they are in Christ, even while they're doing that, then they'll come to the point of, wow, you know what? Man, I don't lie anymore because that's passed away. I'm a new creation. But because we read in theory, but we don't walk out in day-to-day living, there's so much mess amongst people. And there's so many attitudes and there's so many viewpoints and so many opinions of people because we know one another according to the flesh. And me growing up in South Africa, I I was taught certain things about black people. The way we grew up under apartheid, that was my normal. The white people are here, the black people are there. The white people do this, the black people do that. That was my normal. So what is normal? You know what is normal? The Word of God. So now when God says to me, you need to renew your mind, I have no idea what it means, and he starts showing me from the Word, and now I can come to Belinda and look at this beautiful sister. Look at this lady teaching. The first time I saw her was at a graduation for the School of Ministry, a party when you graduated first year. Is that right? And I saw, and she's also like that quiet, beautiful lady. She's so quiet in the corner. And I just went to her and I gave her a word. She was so quiet, didn't speak in front of people really. And now she's teaching you, helping teach you in the school of ministry. (laughs) This this is normal. (laughs) This is normal. But growing up this was anything but normal would you would not catch me doing this because it was wrong so what's normal so what does the bible say some people says hey you know belinda belinda which one how, how, how do you describe her the one with the beautiful smile the one who's when she laughs, her eyes just blink and come alive. Or do I say according to the flesh? The one. Da, 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 da. What's normal? And let us renew our minds so that when we read something in the word, it's not just theory. Because theory would make me and her argue and talk about junk and trash that comes from hell. Instead of bringing heaven down to earth because the word says in Acts that we come from one blood we come from one blood a homeless man one day in church here so amazing, after the service he asked me about something and prayed and we we spoke and he's homeless you see how we, we label people I'm not saying that it's wrong to some people aren't, that's how, that's this person's situation. It's not a down, oh, look at that person. It's not. But he came to me and we spoke about certain things and he said, you know when a puppy runs across a road, a little cute puppy, and a car runs over that puppy, the white man is going to have a feeling in his heart exactly the same as the black man will have. I've never heard that before. I've heard when you cut a white man and you cut a black man, they bleed red. That's true. But when this man who doesn't have a place to go, and who people look down upon and why are you there and your life is so bad and shouldn't you? He said to me, when that puppy gets hit by a car, the white man and the black man feel the same feeling on the inside. I was like, man, that, I, you just taught me something so amazing. You just gave me revelation. This is, praise God, come here. Thank you for that. I'll say that twice, but I'll give him the glory because he taught that to me. Next time, it's my own. <laughs> But we can learn from everyone and we need to stop looking at someone in the flesh and let us as Christians stop going around and telling other people about other Christians and what they've done and their mistakes and I just want you to let No, I don't want to know. I don't want to know him according to the flesh. I want to know him as man. He just doesn't know that old things have passed away. He just doesn't know yet that all things are new. He doesn't have to do that. So when I help him and we can renew our minds to know that old things have passed away, he will stop doing the old things. cause they have passed away. He just doesn't know it yet. And that all has to do with the mind, the way we see, your normal, how you grew up, what your house said was good or bad. And when we understand, literally, the subconscious mind, how to change it, to renew it so that it lines up with our spirits, all of this junk will be gone. It's 12 o'clock. I'm going to end there. I can talk until next Saturday, but I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Children's ministry will be freaking out. (laughs) So, let's stand to our feet. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the teacher of the church. Thank you that when we become reborn, you come and make your living, your house, you abide on the inside of us, so that everywhere we go and everything we do, you are there telling us, because your word says you write on our hearts and on our minds. So we thank you for your letters of love every day as our counselor, our comforter, our teacher, the one who brings truth to us that you never stop writing. Help us, aid us in opening our eyes to see fellow Christians. As your body, Christ, and nothing else. As washed in the precious blood of Jesus and nothing else. As new creatures of being that never existed before and nothing else. Thank you for this opportunity to leave this building today with new vision for those around us. And should we or should anyone come to us and want to know anyone according to the flesh, we can gently say, no thank you, no more, don't have time for that, don't have space for that in my mind. I see them the way God sees me. His child washed in the precious blood of Jesus. So we thank you for that. Thank you for the opportunity of repentance. If we have done that, that we stop it today and we say no more. Thank you that we can go home, get into the closet, be still, and know that you are God over our vision, over what is our normal, over what we think is right and wrong, and that you can change us from the inside out so that we change. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your kindness, your compassion. Thank you that just the same way you chased after Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, you're chasing after us today. You're amazing. Thank you that you know the number of hairs on my head. Thank you that you give the stars names. Yet I am more special than that. Help me me to see the way you see, fellow brethren. Help me to have your eyes, your heart, your spirit that dwells in me for other people all the time. Thank you that we can go a changed person, looking at people differently, because your word has spoken truth to us today, and your word, which is truth, sets free. love you we praise you thank you for this amazing day with such beautiful weather and just life permeating all around us and all through our bodies because of your spirit we love you we praise you we give you all the glory and honor everything we ask
1: we do in the precious perfect name of Jesus amen if you need